0: People First companies understand that employees are their most valuable asset. These forward-thinking companies treat all of their people practices, especially hiring, as strategic rather than administrative functions. I'm Donald Knight, Chief People Officer at Greenhouse, and this is People First, a podcast celebrating the work of leaders dedicated to building People First cultures. Today, I'm joined by three amazing leaders who each share a professional history. I'm chatting with Medley's co-founders, Edith Cooper and Jordan Taylor, CEO, alongside Anilu Vasquez-Uvari, who is a partner and CHRO at TPG Global. In this episode, we'll discuss what it takes to create a truly inclusive environment, why companies should have structured development for employees, and how to create feedback loop by fostering trust. Please welcome Edith Cooper, Jordan Taylor, and Anilu vasquez
1: Ubari. We have three amazing guests on the show today who are very much connected and interwoven in their stories and their own career trajectories. So ladies, welcome to the podcast. For our listeners that are streaming in from all over the world, can you tell them your name? Tell them what it is that brings you joy in what you do every day. And, of course, this would not be a podcast with Donald on it if we don't get to talk about ice cream. So tell me what your favorite ice cream flavor is. We'll start with Edith.
2: Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Not dark chocolate. Not chocolate with stuff in it. Pure chocolate. Classic. Okay. Thank you so much for having me uh, and us today. The thing that matters to me the most is actually the exciting adventure um, of humans, uh, the background in a f- in finance. I spent 20 plus years at Goldman Sachs, ran a bunch of different businesses, but the real culmination of my career there was having the honor, the privilege, and the challenge of running Human capital management at Goldman Sachs. And and one of the real bright spots for that was the opportunity to work with Annie Lou Vasquez Ubari as colleagues, as friends, as mentors. She was my mentor sometimes. I was hers. And super excited to have done some really wonderful work with Annie Lou and the team and and continue to stay close to this day.
1: That is awesome. And how how are you connected to this young lady? Jordan?
3: Well, she didn't mention what she does now, which is work with <laughs> me. Uh, so I am uh, Edith's co-founder and also daughter. Uh, we are building Medley, which is a platform for group coaching, really supporting emerging leaders across and within companies. Preferred pronouns are she, her. And I've had the joy of getting to know Annie Lou as a personal mentor of mine. The past 15 years or so, I'll still go to her with, with questions.
1: That is awesome. And then what's your favorite flavor, Jordan?
3: Oh, I have a dairy allergy, but my favorite vegan flavor is chocolate chip cookie dough from Van Leeuwen. It's delicious.
1: Chocolate chip cookie dough, Mm -hmm. Van Leeuwen's New York. Okay, nice. And then we'll go over to the other side of the world, to San Francisco. Annie Lou, how are you?
4: I am doing great, Donald. Thanks for having me. I'm Annie Lou Vasquez-Urbani, and I am a client of Jordan and Edith <laughs> in Mentley, which makes me very proud. What brings me joy is very similar to what Edith said. I mean, I, I think the building, the co-creating, the having to change gears with my colleagues and the fact that there's really nothing that I can do just by myself. It has to be a team sport. I think that's both exciting and very challenging. And so it keeps you alert. I don't love ice cream, but if I find myself needing to have ice cream, probably butter pecan would be my choice. Nice. It's
1: a classic flavor. I
4: do like waffle cones. So it has to be on a (laughs) waffle
1: cone. Oh my goodness. This is cool. So my son, when we lived in Virginia, and in Norfolk, the biggest ice cream place is called Dumars. Oh, yes. So you've been there. Yes. So Dumars is like, Annie Lou, you would love going there.
2: Mm-hmm. Less
1: about the ice cream, but because fourth generation Dumars was one of Daylan's classmates. But the great, great, great grandfather actually invented the waffle cone at the go. World Fair in Chicago, which is pretty amazing. So people first. So many people use the terminology, but everybody has a different definition. So Jordan, like, how would you define people first? Like, what does that mean to you as a leader?
3: People first to me really starts with empathy. So being able to enter situations, enter conversations, trying to understand where that other person is coming from. And I think that doesn't necessarily mean, I think empathy, the word actually can get a bad rap. I think it can sometimes mean soft or it can mean, you know, sympathetic. I actually think it's a very commercial trait and it's very important from a people first standpoint, because if you're able to sit in the shoes of your customer, if you're able to sit in the shoes of your colleagues, if you're able to sit in the shoes of your different stakeholders and partners, that's really a superpower in making decisions. And so I would also add that Learning empathy and, and recognizing that as a skill that can be built is something that I've really had the joy of getting to learn from Edith from my mother uh and also I've really seen modeled in in Annie Lou and how she she engaged with other people.
1: yeah, empathy is like it's one of those traits that I think years ago we might have been ridiculed for saying that we had as leaders in the workplace, um but it's definitely something I totally agree with you It's something that has to be more present, and especially in people first leaders. And how about you? Like, how would you, when you hear the words people first, what does that look like to you? How do you define what Mm -hmm. being a people first leader even looks or feels like?
4: Yeah, I mean, people are them and their context. And their context can be everything from what happened to them that morning before they got to you. And they're bringing that to the conversation. It can be what happened the last time you had that conversation and how you left them feeling, even if you didn't intend to, or an experience that they've had, if you're their boss, you know, with a prior boss that didn't feel good to them, it's also how they grew up and what they've learned or not been exposed to. So I think that taking the the moment in a conversation, particularly if a conversation doesn't seem to be going according to plan, to figure out why that might be, it might be you, or it might be the other person. But the reality is that if you set up that conversation, or if that person came to see you unexpectedly, it's because they need something. And so getting to what that goal is, and and adapting your style, I think it's what people first means. And, you know, I've never worked in a place where the product is not the people. So, when you do that, you have to be particularly attuned because if not, they're not coming back the next day. And so, if the goal is to have the best talent, then the only way to do that is by having a people first approach.
1: Yeah, you could always tell the difference between the leaders who operate with that mentality that Anna was talking about, as opposed to folks that treat people like resources or like you know a cell in an excel sheet Edith you have a unique perspective in the sense that you've traversed business as a business leader now you're a co-founder of your own business and you get to help guide other businesses as a board member so what does people first mean to you
2: well at the core of what Annie Lou was saying and Jordan shared with respect to empathy and actually the topic Of our conversation, people first are human beings. And I am very excited about the fact that it's okay actually now and expected from our people that we think about them as humans. And that really is the center of a culture that is really a people centric culture. As Annie Lou shared, uh, humans show up with a lot of stuff. We all go through great efforts to identify those things about people uh, that will lead to them contributing a great deal to the organizations that we're a part of. What we have to continue to invest in and understand is that humans in isolation, really, that's not the, the exciting part. It's how humans interact with each other that really creates extraordinary energy opportunity, innovation, and impact. But that's not something that is intuitive to all. It can be very complicated, very exciting when you get it right, really not great uh, when you don't pay attention to it in a real, genuine way. And so for me, it's about being human and really doing the work to understand what your role is as an individual and creating an environment where everyone can really flourish.
1: That's powerful. So there's a responsibility that we have in the environments that we are in to help facilitate those folks being able to thrive. Do you view that through a lens of inclusion at all? Like, is there a place for inclusion
2: in that environment? Well, that is inclusion. That is what inclusion means. Inclusion is when you show up as an individual, as part of a team or leading a team or leading an organization, you need to show up with a lens of who's here and how do I make sure that my actions Are truly inclusive. And let me just break that down because I think sometimes people think it's this sort of amorphous, grandiose thing, but it's actually quite practical and very real. When you walk in a room, do you look at people? Do Mm. you listen eye contact when they talk? Do you pay attention to who's not talking? And do you consider why? Do you, you police yourself and the way that you show up that may be more conducive to someone who's similar? And they might be similar for a variety of reasons. You, you worked at the same company. You you know are of the same ethnicity, gender. It, it, it doesn't matter. You just like them. But are you showing up to that person differently than someone that you don't know? And so all of these very practical things or questions that you should be asking yourself must be considered because you can't have a people-first organization if you actually don't focus on making it an inclusive one.
1: Yeah. Jordan, you've focused a lot on development. And we've seen what happens when you create the environments that Edith is speaking of. A lot of the development opportunities don't actually, those pathways are not created for everyone. For the listeners that are listening to this conversation and they're like, look, I want to live up to that responsibility that Edith is saying, I want to look people in the eye. I want to make sure that I'm creating that environment. How can a leader do that through a lens of development? Like, what does that look like?
3: Well, a couple of things, and I'll answer that on the sort of individual leader level and also the organizational level. So we have an interesting vantage point into companies of very different scale and very different stages in their evolution, ranging from a 50-person startup to organizations with hundreds of thousands of people. And something we've seen more recently that I think is really exciting is actually a combination of uh, elements of the d function with the learning and development function. And why that's so important is pretty simple, because exactly as Edith mentioned, if you are creating a space where people can grow and thrive and learn, if you're not doing that inclusively, you are doing that exclusively by definition. Mm. And so if there isn't that real intentional investment in people from underrepresented groups, and even from an equity standpoint, might be additional investment in those people to help them build the networks internally, to help them really advance and thrive, exclusivity is happening. And so we see that happening. And then I think on a leader level of someone building a team, I personally believe that everyone should be empowered to take control of their own development. Um, Having some structure from the organization, from the people function, is hugely advantageous. Sometimes it's not realistic or isn't happening. And there, I uh, really do believe, and even in my own development standpoint, anyone can take action. They can say, I want to work on XYZ. I'm just going to have a colleague that I check in with every month. With Medley, it's very formal group experience. Groups will meet over the course of four months. But anyone can start tomorrow or today and have that sense of commitment to grow over time.
1: Yeah. Annie Lou, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Do you believe investments in development should be formal?
3: Yes,
4: because people are too busy to be consistent about it, because it's also a very serious discipline that, like anything else, that matters to the bottom line has science to it, has expertise, has years of trying, experimenting. And it also has to be customized to the organization, you know, using the right language so that people are not distracted by the superfluous of whether it sounds like them or not. And then the the other reason why it needs to be structured it's because there are moments in your career where you don't know that you need mm-hmm. development mm-hmm. and someone in the organization needs to tell you and sometimes it's because it's good for retention and to make that person feel special. but sometimes as people you know develop in their career and they've got an Ace all along, they get stomped by things that really matter because the game is just changing. Around them, and I actually believe that it's better if you take the time to get to people before they need the training, but it can't be too early because then they don't know how to apply it, so I think structured learning has a big place by structure. it doesn't mean that it has to be boring, overwhelming. you can only do things when people are truly ready, and so I'm a big believer in pilots. That's, you know, a habit that I think we developed together when Edith and I worked together many years ago, and I still do that a lot with the team here. And you get feedback and you iterate so that what you deliver is as complete as possible. And and then I do think that what Jordan was saying is true as well. And there's no contradiction. People need to have agency. In their careers and well they need said. to take responsibility. And again, those two things are not in contradiction and probably need to happen in tandem. And learning also like there's like capital L learning, and then it's like learning to happen in the meeting, in the hallway, when you left it. If you're lucky enough for someone to be honest about how you really did in that meeting, it can be after an email exchange. I mean it's the whole day at work can be full of things that you are picking up and collecting if you're paying attention.
1: Yeah, so it's a shared responsibility. The leader has to have part of that responsibility and timing's important. But there's also the responsibility on the employee to make sure that they take agency over their own career trajectory and their own growth. Annie Lou, you pointed out something that I think is super powerful, which is there are so many learnings that we have throughout the day. And so having that proximity or even the awareness to know that that's something that we should be picking up on to circle back on later on in our career and how that may serve us, I think is super important.
4: One, one more thing on that, though. Managers have a big responsibility also, and they're often left out of this conversation we talk about the organization, we talk about the individual. The reality is that if you are privileged enough to be trusted with a team, and even if it's just one other individual, you have a responsibility to develop yourself as a manager and develop that person. And so to me, everything starts, if you're going to do one training, do manager training, because it will have a multiplier effect. But the the managers play a critical role.
1: Yeah. No, ditto. underscore retweet. Got to make sure that the managers are, are trained. I guess, Edith, I'm curious, when you look back on your leadership style, are there like moments that stand out to you that help shape you as a leader?
2: There are so many because the point was made earlier that you evolve as an individual. The environment shifts and great leaders and I aspired to be good and, and did the best I could to get to great. Have to continue to pay attention and know that you've got to evolve. And I'll, I'll share a story that was particularly, uh, eye opening for me. Annie Lou and I, uh, as I mentioned, worked very closely together and I have a habit uh, trying to manage it a little bit better of asking questions. I love to learn from other people. I assume that people know much more about something, maybe everything than I do. And so. Give me a second, I will be in your grill asking you things. And I love it. And so there was a period where people would come uh, to a meeting with me. I was running the division. I also have this this self-perception uh, that I'm just like everybody. Annie Lou also reminded me that that is not always perceived that way. And so people would do a tremendous amount of work, prepare materials to come to conversation with me on a topic. And they would they would arrive and they'd open the, the pages. And before they finished the first page, I'd be all in it, asking questions. Well, did you think about this? I mean, that's super interesting. I read this article about, did you read that article? And I would just go on and on and time would be short and we'd run out of time. And I was like, oh, that was great. Thank you so much. And Annie Lou gave me uh, feedback after a handful of these meetings that, Actually, they weren't great for the people that were in the meeting. I was like, "What are you talking about? I love them." People ask, I asked them all these questions. I was so interested. I respect them because they're so smart. She's like, "Actually, people found it kind of demoralizing, you know, and felt that you didn't respect them enough to actually listen to what they had to say," which I found shocking. Um, but I have to say, I have so much respect for for Annie Lou's perspective and for the insights that she was drawing out of people because she invested in developing genuine, authentic relationships with people, that was a really big aha moment for me that there were time for questions, but there was also time to give folks the experience of developing their thought and, you know, building the bridge to recommendations and then asking questions. And I'm still developing that muscle, but it's, it's super, super important. And so that was a real live example of what Annie Lou was talking about before, which is You know, you really have to be thoughtful about how you're interacting with people, particularly when you're in a management leadership role. Uh, And You really have to understand that it takes intentional focus. And that's one of the real exciting things that we're doing in Medley. We're creating these intentional spaces that are supported by a coach for people to think and learn about how they ask questions and debate and challenge in a way that encourages conversation, doesn't shut it down because it's a complicated world. Human interactions are complicated. And to the point that was made earlier, intentional investment in learning and development, particularly if you have the the honor and the privilege, but also the responsibility of managing someone, you've got to learn how to do that. And you have to really invest in understanding what human interactions should feel like for other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is, um, what do you think you did in the environment to create a space where, or I guess I could ask Anna Lu, she's here. Like, how did you feel comfortable even sharing that? I'm sure there's people listening that are like, I have some feedback I would like to give to my leader. What's the right way to do that? But like, how did you know that that was a safe space enough for Edith to even be receptive of what you were picking up based on the conversations you were having from people who were presenting? Mm Mm-hmm.
4: Well, first of all, because she gave me feedback all the time. So I felt it was only <laughs> fair. <laughs> and it was very clear to me that she was telling me things that other people wouldn't tell me and that they were very critical to me developing and that she would have my back also and would help me work through it. By the way, when I was either the chief of staff, you know, when you have those jobs, you get a bit of a window into that person's world very broadly. And Believe it or not, one of those windows was of Edith as a mom and how she interacted with her kids and letting them try things go far enough. And then at the same time, you know, knowing the time to be like, all right, come over here. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. let me <laughs> let me tell you why that is going that way. <laughs> and and I felt that she had a very open respect. They were not confused. She was not their friend. She was their mom but it did feel like a very open dialogue with her kids and I I actually I think that one of Edith's biggest strengths is that she by nature is a curious person and wants to be better and is humble about her way and I think that that was true of anyone that interacted with with Edith you know while I was working she was also a very senior person. And you're right, it does require a little bit of courage to decide that you're going to enter that space. And I always say to people, if you're going to do that, you need to be right. And by that doesn't mean that you have the absolute answer or that might not be what's happening. But you need to be right in the sense that you need to have examples and data points and you have to have a point of giving someone feedback. Because people may do things differently than you. And that doesn't mean that they need to change it or they need to hear it from you. But I knew that her intent was very different than what was happening in some of these conversations. And by the way, many of the people that went to those meetings, I also said to them, you have to be able to go from page two to 17 and not lose (laughs) your calm about it. Because that is part of, you know, having a senior conversation. That being said, if you need a sign-off on something, you need to make it clear. And that was part of the point with Edith, right? That people were going to that meeting with a purpose. And the purpose was not just for her to get all of you know her curiosity. So I, I felt that she was receptive to it. And I never had a bad experience giving her feedback. So I kept doing it. But it was very reciprocal and but there is a trust um dynamic yep. in giving feedback, yeah. yeah because sometimes someone might be absolutely right about the feedback that they're giving you, but if you don't trust them, it's just not gonna land, and so people need to be very aware of that dynamic if they in fact want to have again a positive impact on that person,
1: yeah, Jordan.
3: You know, that's what, exactly what I was thinking about when Edith shared that anecdote and, and Annie Loom, what you described, coming down to trust. And it's, it's so critical in so many different levels, right? Because it's, as a manager, how are you building trust with your direct reports? As someone working across functionally, how are you fostering trust with others who you might know well, you might not know well? But it's that trust that sort of gave both of you the freedom to give each other that direct feedback. And to know that the other person had sort of their best interest at heart. And so it's definitely something that I'm very conscious of as someone who is you know, expanding my own leadership and working with more people at a different stages of their careers is how powerful trust can be, how it can really be an unlock in helping people reach their potential because you're able to share tough feedback. You're able to really stay united around a goal if, if people believe that that's your intention.
1: Yeah we started this conversation with empathy
3: mm-hmm.
1: and now we're at trust and so i hope that leaders listening will start to evolve where they focus their efforts on their development i think so so many times we can focus on the business of the business and we miss out on these inputs that make us better for people especially folks that we work with or folks that are on our teams i guess edith if you had to give the listeners one leave behind on how to be the best people, first leader they could be, what would that be?
2: The business is the people. Whether you're in a, a professional services space or you're or manufacturing things or fulfilling things, there are people somewhere in that thread. And so the business of business is people. And we need to understand that and get very intentional about the fact that part of that is actually caring about them as human beings.
1: That's amazing. Annalou. would you add anything?
4: Have high expectations of the people that are around you and of yourself and never ask anyone to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself.
3: I think the most striking thing that I see in impactful leaders at all levels is their ability to learn and continue to grow as individuals. And so my takeaway is, find a way to continuously develop, create structures for yourself and view that as a critical part of your role because it's the only way that you're going to be able to adapt and bring you know, your people towards the future.
1: Amazing. Well, I just want to say thank you to each of you for joining me for today's conversation. There's so many learnings that I have personally that I need to go write down as soon as the camera stops running. So I appreciate that. Thank you all for, for joining me for today's conversation. It's super helpful. And yes, Annie Lou, I'm definitely going to be sending some ice cream out. So get ready.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the waffle cup. <laughs> and the waffle
0: cup. <laughs> thank you so much, Edith, Jordan, and Annie Lou for joining me. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. And if you really like what you heard, give the show a follow and share it with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network. Our producer is Brittany Martinez. Our supporting producer is Sarah Schleed, And our production assistant is Lila Watts. Our greenhouse producer is Marnie Williams. And remember, keep putting people first.